0: This is Long Shots, VEASAN's premier golf betting podcast. Here's Matt Brown, Wes Reynolds, and Kelly Bidlin.
3: Hello, and welcome to VEASAN's Long Shots, the Arnold Palmer Invitational Edition. It is Matt Brown. It is Wes Reynolds. It is Kelly Bidlin. And guys, staying red hot here on Long Shots. Feeling pretty good about everything to start the season here. Hopefully, everybody listening in was able to make some money this past week, whether it was on hitting just the outright or being able to hedge off of one of the long shots there, being able to convert that into some cash here. It is one of the things, Kelly, I I know that, you know, you and I have stressed some certain things along the way uh, about, you know, bankroll management stuff and everything like that. One of the things we have not really talked about is, you know, listen, you hold one of these long shot tickets. And if that guy gets into contention it is your way to profitability in a golf tournament. So one of the things you do got to be paying attention, you can't just take off on a Sunday. If you got one of these guys in contention, if you want to be serious about all this. So just another little piece of advice as we continue to move into the bulk of the season here is, hey, you got a long shot guy in contention. You might want to be around a book. You might want to be able to get some live odds. And uh, certainly if you were holding a cold ticket like, I was and Wes
2: was. You were able to get in and and make sure that you had a good tournament. Yeah, you guys, uh, we, we ran one two in that tournament. Uh, it was I loved it. Thought it was a great tournament, just start to finish. Uh, <laughs> <you know? laughs> I liked, but no, it was great to see the. I pod liked run. it. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was the uh great to see the pod run one two. And you, I mean, yeah, you're right. I I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's anything more fun in golf betting than kind. Of, I mean, I know you guys didn't get home, but even just being in that position, right, where you're like. Oh crap! I have a triple digit to one shot. How much, like, how much, and how active hedging am I doing throughout that final round and trying to hit those right, right times, right spots to get uh, the most out of your guys' ticket? I, I always find that fun as hell. So, uh, sorry, I've had a lot of second place finishes. I'm sorry you guys finished there, but uh, I needed that one for my mental health. So, thank you, Chris Kirk, uh, for getting that one done. But great, great for the pod. What a tournament!
3: Yes. No, seriously. And Wes, like, you know, look, it's for us, if you're not going to get home, it's like a dream scenario to have a triple digit dude in a two person playoff, because then you can lock up a nice profit no matter what. And so, you know, look what I've liked to hit a one twenty five one, obviously, but I was able to turn that golf tournament into a, a nice little betting experience. So, uh, you know, look, it, it was the best of a bad situation.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and look, uh, you know, Eric Cole kept coming up big time and time again, just when you think, okay, water's going to find its level, you know, he's going to make a mistake, and he's going to drop down the leaderboard. He just kept making everything. I think he made every putt from inside of 20 feet except the last one, and that's the one that lipped out in the playoff hole, but it had so many, like, twists and turns. When Chris Kirk hits it in the water, it's like, oh, no, he's in the water, and it almost bounces off the rock and hits the Honda. You're thinking, okay... Cole's going to finish this off. And then, you know, the chip that almost goes off the green into the water and stuck on that fringe. So very up and down. And it reminded me, I think, of several years ago, if you remember at this very event at the Honda Classic, when Justin Thomas had to try to get into a playoff against Luke List on the par 5 18th, which he eventually won. He was in the same spot as Chris Kirk was on that third shot on the playoff hole at 18. And same result, hit an absolute dart right at the pin.
2: I still don't know what the hell Chris Kirk was doing on that. On the on actual 18, though, you know what I mean? When that ball hit off, yeah. like, where was he aiming? Was he aiming right at the flag <laughs> and left it true? Why are you aiming at the flag in that situation?
3: I don't hey, know. Hey, Kelly, golf's hard. I don't know if you know or not. Golf's hard.
2: Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, but you know what? I expect more out of these guys, okay? That's what I expect, Matt. As I expect either his distance was wrong or his aim was incredibly wrong, okay?
3: All right. Well, i just say golf's hard. You know, like things happen. You can aim in places and it doesn't go where you think, and things like that. It's a it's a, it's a tough sport. But if you did hit it outright this week or if you were able to turn a profit. One little request of us, just a little small one. If you hit that pause button, you can go right down below. Just scroll right down. Hit the little five stars real quick as you were doing this on the podcast. It's helping us climb the charts here, guys. uh, Getting really good listenership, and we do appreciate all of you guys out there. So just a small request from us. Absolutely free. takes two seconds if you'd hit the pause button. Scroll down. Give us a five star. And if you want to take the extra 30 seconds and, and write a review, even better for us as we go along here. So... Wes, every single week you do an awesome write up on everything over at com. but let's do a quick little rundown of the Arnold Palmer Invitational here about 120 golfers we may have a couple we may have a withdrawal or too or something like that so we'll just say about 120 ish golfers as we tee things up on Thursday
1: Yeah, if you look up uh, 120 players, as you mentioned, Matt, at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, it's now an elevated event, of course, $20 million on the line. That's why when we get to the field later on in the pod here, you're going to see a lot of names that haven't played here regularly over over the years, even though this has a very good field. But in in terms of the course... uh, uh, Arnold Palmer was actually a guest at this course in uh, 1961, and then decided to buy the whole darn thing in, in the mid 70s. And his uh, his his uh, daughter-in-law and I believe her husband are the, who runs this course, the Saunders family. They run the Bay Hill uh, Club and Lodge, 74-66, par 72. Uh, very, very difficult course. I think a very fair course, but it's going to test all facets really of your game. It was fourth most difficult on tour last year. The average round was about uh, 1.08 strokes over par. Overseeded rye rough. It is relatively thick rough at about three inches. Bermuda greens, Tiff Eagle, Bermuda, 12.5 on the stimp, which is considered fast. But it'll be really, really fast come Sunday. It'll roll like probably 14. But there are big greens here, 7,500 square feet. I think seventh largest on tour. A lot of bunkers, uh, water in play on nine holes. One of the things that did change, though, from last year's event is the fact that they took away a lot of the sloping runoff areas from around the green and replaced it with three-inch thick rough which is why you saw a guy that's a notoriously bad chipper like Victor Hovland was able to, I think, play a lot better this year because you used to have to chip from those tight Bermuda lies and you didn't have to do that uh, last year. And I think it's going to be more of the same this year. It's been top 10 in terms of difficulty, basically five of the last six years. I know the fairways were riding and the trees were removed a few years ago, but The approaches are still very challenging here, and this is very much with the trees being removed. What it's done is it's exposed it to wind. So that's why you saw Scotty Scheffler. It was only five under par was the winning score last year. Terrell Hatton, who I hit a couple years ago, was only four under. So it's going to be, based on early forecasts, it's going to be very windy on Friday and Saturday. Sunday for the final round, it's probably going to temper a little bit.
3: Yeah, Kelly, the wind is going to be the big story here this week. And listen, it's already making the rounds. It's Tuesday. It's early. So always, we are going to be watching this up until the very final second, if at all humanly possible. And I'll try to put out some stuff on Twitter as much as I can. We all will, if anything comes across of of note. But as of right now, if you look at the forecast, it looks like it is a Thursday afternoon, Friday morning beneficial split and it's because the Friday afternoon winds really, really get going. And the sustained wind on Friday afternoon is getting up into the 25 mile an hour range with Gus into the 40 mile an hour range. And so basically you want to be going Friday morning as opposed to going Friday afternoon. So that would put us in a Thursday afternoon, Friday morning split. If you want to play a weather split anyway.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that is one that look, it definitely is going to impact, um, my first round leader bets which i haven't made yet i always make on wednesday night i know i've got a couple questions about this i they're the last thing that i make because i i think that's one thing I always take into account. Want to have the most information on what the weather's looking like, uh, especially for that first round. And the longer you wait, the more information you have. So if anybody's ever wondering about that, you can always hit me up on Twitter at Kelly Bidlin for me at Matt Brown M two for Matt at Wes Reynolds one for Wes. Um, but yeah, I think I don't know how how much that influenced your guys outright betting and other betting. I Like you've said before, Matt, I try not to get overly influenced by it, but, man, when you're seeing 20-plus mile-an-hour sustained winds, I think it's something that, yes, you need to keep in the back of your mind, but also in the back of your mind have that it's Florida and this stuff can change very, very quickly over the couple of days. And like you said, as the time we're recording this podcast, it is about 6 o'clock Eastern time right now on Tuesday.
3: Yeah, um, you know, it is. it is certainly something – that I'm going to take into account this. Listen, 15, I think you're kind of overthinking it, like stuff like that, whatever. But when we're talking sustained 25 with Gus into 40. I think it is something that you really do have to take into account if it holds again. You know, I mean, it can yeah. change in a couple of days, but... If it does hold, it's certainly going to change. But Kelly, from a first-round leader standpoint, actually Thursday morning looks the mildest of all of the tee times. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like it's just a reverse engineering of the full tournament broad like, landscape here as opposed to the first-round leader landscape, which would be kind of Thursday morning whenever we look at that, as, as, at least as of right now when it looks the most calm out there. But boy, it, is, uh, it can change very quickly, as Kelly mentioned, so we will certainly uh, take a look at that as we get a little bit closer.
2: This is going to be a beast, though. Like, this tournament is already tough as, uh, you know, about as tough as it gets. If, if we're literally looking at almost 30 mile an hour wins on Friday, I mean, God bless these guys. It is. Yep. That is going to wreak havoc on this field.
3: So, if we look at the odds board, no shock. John Rom, Everett DraftKings, guys, six and a half to one. <laughs> this is a loaded, <laughs> it's a loaded field. A <laughs> six and a half to one. To win the thing, nine to one for Scotty Scheffler and then nine to one for Rory McIlroy. It jumps all the way to 20 to one after that at Xander Schauffele, Tony Finau, Patrick Cantlay, Colin Morikawa, all coming in at that 20 to one range, 22 to one on Max Homa, then Victor Hovland, Justin Thomas and at 28 to one, Tyrrell Hatton at 30, Jason Day also at thirty, Sung J M really struggled on the weekend this past week. Thirty-five to one, Matt Fitzpatrick thirty-five to one. Everybody else forty to one or longer. We'll certainly talk about some of those names as we uh, continue to go down the odds board. But I think it's not, guys. I don't think it's crazy for us to mention this, Wes. We've talked about this a few different times. Were we really going to find ourselves looking more seriously at these winner without you know numbers? And look, they're posted at DraftKings right now, and it is winner without Rom McElroy, and Scheffler and. Look, yes, the numbers are not as sexy, but man, it, like, you know, you're getting, you're getting 14 on Tony Finau instead of 20, you know, you're getting 14 on Homa instead of 21. It's, it's different things like that, where I'm not necessarily saying this is how I would play it. I would, I guess, Wes, what I am saying is if someone came to me and said, dude, I'm sick of getting these second place finishes to ROM or Scheffler or whoever I'm sick of like, whatever I, and I would just want to play these winner without markets. I don't know if I'm going to talk them off it considering we don't have each way here in the States and most at most books at most places. And we certainly don't here in, in Vegas, it, you know, if you, if you had a winner without market, I'm probably not going to talk somebody off of it.
1: Yeah. And you're right, Matt. There's certainly the the way you can play that in terms of a winner without market. I was just watching some of the press availability down there at Bay Hill in Orlando today. And John Rom was at the press conference. Somebody asked him a question do you think at at your best that anybody can beat you? And he's like just sipping on his coffee, just takes a sip of it, sits it down, short answer, no. And he's right based on the the way that he has played in 2023. Now, one of the interesting things, and I mentioned it a little bit in the open about this particular tournament, is that if you're looking a lot at your form sheets, and, you know, I, I look at different form sheets every single week. The one I use is Mike Miller at Smart Golf Bets. And just looking across this from the guys that are in this event, obviously, John Rahm played this once. This was last year, he finished 17th, but you kind of ignore that with the recent form that he has when he's got three wins in his last five events. And then you look, Rory McElroy has always been kind of the great form guy here. 2018, he won this event. He had, uh, I believe, five top tens or better from 2017 to 2021. Went down a little bit last year, finished 13th, 2022. Scotty Scheffler, of course, won this event on his second start last year. But if you go kind of in that 20 to 25 range where you got a lot of good players in this event, Colin Marikawa's only played this two times. He finished ninth, though, in 2020. Justin Thomas has only played this one time. Patrick Cantlay has never played this event. Xander Schauffele has played this event once. Tony Finau four times, and he's made the cut twice. And so in that right below the top three, middle of the market, or I guess the second tier, if you want to call it, nobody really has a lot here to to go on. I guess Max Homa has three straight top 25s, including a 10th in 2021, but you have to go a little bit down to maybe that third tier of guys, the guys, you know, 10th or 15th on the odds board to really find form guys here. I think Sunjay M, who's got two thirds here, Matthew Fitzpatrick, who's got four top tens and a runner up. Like that's where you really have to go. Terrell Hatton, I would throw in that mix as well. So that's where you really have to go with these guys.
3: Yeah, it's uh it's pretty interesting. A lot of people dodged this tournament before it was an elevated event. It's a super tough course. I can kind of understand maybe why they didn't want to play it and, and get out there and, you know, just just struggle for four rounds, but if you do want to look at that betting split that as we think right now, as of this recording that we think would be good, the guys that do go Thursday afternoon and then come back on Friday morning. Uh, and I'm just naming the big name guys here, um, yeah. guys that you might be interested in. So Keith Mitchell, John Rahm, Xander Shoffley, Colin Morikawa, Tony Finau, Patrick Cantley, Ricky Fowler, Shane Lowry, Max Homa, Roy McElroy, Tyrrell Hatton, Hideki Matsuyama, Adam Scott, uh, Tommy Fleetwood and Gary Woodland all have that Thursday afternoon, Friday morning split. And so uh, again, if you want to play that angle anyway, that is a way that you could go down it. Kelly, as we look at the, at the odds board here, um, you know, 650 on John Rahm, we'll say this again. And I know that we alluded to this talking a little bit about this, you know, last week when we were coming yeah. into the tournaments, but like, you know, it's one of the big three, again, likely to win this tournament. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, they're that much better. I mean, uh, Rory has great course history here. Rom's playing better than anyone in the world. Sheffler just won a couple of weeks ago. Like and yes. one last year, <laughs> but like you, you look at this and you're just not, I, again, unless these dudes end up all three, just having historic years, it's going to be very tough to come out on top betting six and a half to ones and eight to ones and nine to ones in tournaments that are just incredibly loaded like this. And also in a tournament that can be a little bit variant. We just mentioned there are nine different holes with water. There are 84 different bunkers on this course. Like it isn't one of those courses where it's, it's you're not going to see two and three shot swings. And so for me, I, I, I get it. If somebody tells me I want to bet John Rom, I'm not going to be like, "Hey, you idiot," or whatever. I mean, it's John Rom. He's he's the best player in the world. He's playing the best in the world. But like for me, and the way that I bet, and certainly betting every week like we do, it's just probably not beneficial in the long run.
2: Yeah, I don't think so. And 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 look, I know this is this should be a constant topic as long as uh, you know Rom and uh, these guys keep performing so well. Uh, I guess this big three we can start calling it. But uh, yeah, I think this this week when it comes to those three. I think the field is more level with those three than maybe it has been over the past month or two, right? Rory, you know, Scheffler won here last year. He, he's still play He's in good recent form. Rory, uh, like you talked about, Wes has been great here, uh, you know, throughout his entire career. Um, whereas Rome doesn't have, you know, as much experience here mm-hmm. um, or their first or getting his, uh, yeah, doesn't have as much experience here. So, I think those three a little bit more level this week, but yes, all three of them still clearly a tier removed from everybody else. Um, They are, I'm interested in Rory. I will say I shopped around just looking, hoping, hoping and praying to see more of an off market number. That's really just doesn't exist. Um, So I didn't end up getting it on him, but he's someone I'll probably look at live. And I think that's just another, I think it's another thing to bring up with, with, Another tough course, another course where there is water in play. Um, we've talked about the weather factor already. I think this could be a great, a great live betting uh, tournament yep. again this week. And I think for a lot of those shorter shots, that's how I'm going to approach it. And, and really, w- w- obviously, we're going to get to our bets, but even our outrights just in general. It's another week right? I just didn't sink a ton of money into outrights because I think I'm going to be looking more to get in live I- in this tournament.
3: I'm glad you brought that up and I was, that was actually where I was going to go next with this as we kind of moved into what our models looked like and stuff like that was, I, I, I held back some bullets this week. Like I am going to certainly with, with projected bad weather, with projected low scores, uh, or I should say, you know, whatever, you know, however you want to look at it. The wording is always interesting. Yeah. The the word is always interesting on that. Right. Yes. 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 Yeah. Tough scoring (laughs) conditions. Um, that i'm gonna I'm gonna hold back some stuff this week and try to get in after, you know, round one, round two, round three, whatever it might be on anything that seems a little wonky as far as the algorithms whenever they spit out some new numbers for us
2: the, the other one i want to bring up quick with that is the other difference between this week and let's say two weeks ago at the genesis is you know when we recorded that podcast i mean i, I was sitting here pounding my fist and, and, and matt i know you've been you've been right along with us with me with max homo right where i just thought his number was so far off and unfair in that tournament i don't know how you guys feel there's just Wes and I talked about a, a bit about this yesterday. There was just really nobody jumping out to me as far as that, let's say 50 and shorter range where I was like, well, wow, this number's way off on this guy in my opinion. So like that that's also where I think that, that that was also a part of it with me, Matt, where I'm like, look, I'm just not, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to force stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, if I don't yeah. think there's value on the outright numbers, I'm not really, I'm not going to go and force these things. So I think that is a good point that you
3: make right there is, you know, listen, if, if anything we're going to try to do on this podcast is like, be as genuine, you know, as, as we are, you know, and as we can be and like, we're not going to just throw out a whole bunch of bets just for the sake of throwing out a whole bunch of bets, because we're trying to help you guys make money. Just like, just like we're trying to make money. And so if like you know, if there's no conviction behind any of this stuff, then we're certainly not going to just throw something out there for the hell of it. So keep that in mind as we, as we move forward. So, Wes, here we go. Uh, again, very tough course, could be tough scoring conditions, all the best players in the world. What stats mattered to you as you started to put your model together this week?
1: Nah, I obviously, you know, I'm going to go with the approach pretty much every single week. Scotty Scheffler, by the way, led the field on approach on his route to victory at Bay Hill last year. Terrell Hatton, two years before, during his winning week, was second. So if I think those weather conditions are going to play, you know, at least somewhat similar, then I think approach is is definitely going to matter for your iron play. So I use that. And then I kind of went a little bit deeper. You know, when you go on approach, you're going on it in general. So that includes short irons and long irons. I wanted to emphasize more longer irons this week because 36% of the approach shots you're going to have are over 200 yards here at Bay Hill. That's the highest mark on tour. So you've Mm got to have really good long iron. So proximity gain 200 plus is certainly where I went. You know, interesting to how you can play off the tee. Some will play strokes gained off the tee. Some will play distance. And I played something I rarely play. I played total driving here because Mm -hmm. I wanted to do a little distance and accuracy mix, which that's what comprises total driving in that equation. The actual driving distance is like 16% lower than it is on the average tour course because you do have some forced layups off the tee here, especially on some of them longer par fours. So I went with total driving. I went with Strokes Gain Par Five because those are the four easiest holes on the course. You got to make birdies on those holes, especially if you have tougher conditions. So I use Strokes Gain Par Five. They all had a birdie rate of over thirty percent last year. Strokes Gain Putting, lightning fast Bermuda greens, and that's something you know Matt talks about. You know he uses the model at Rick Rungood, which I'm about to invest in myself because now that has DP World Tour data and fantasy national is what i usually use and i'm still going to keep using but you can change the speed of the greens you know you can change from bent grass to Bermuda, and then you can go speed lightning fast. And I think if it gets up to 14 on the stint meter, it's going to be lightning fast on this Bermuda. I did a little bogey avoidance as well, because these greens 7,500 square foot on average, some of the largest on tour, you're going to have to be very good with lag putting this week. Uh, And then I did a a little birdie or better gain, not very much. The birdie or better percentage here is lower than the tour average. So I did use that a little bit. Uh small use of scrambling because I still think it matters, even though adding that rough around the greens, I think really takes away from, you know, having a really chip from those tight Bermuda lies, which is what really helped Hovland last year, because he's not very good at those shots as of yet. And then very, very small strokes gained par four, uh, 450 to 500. The 18th and the eighth holes were the two toughest holes at Bay Hill last year. They're both Par fours at around 460 yards. The bogey or worse rate was 25%. So I use that very small. And then the par threes here, there's one par three that's like right at 199, 200. And then there's one longer par three, but basically three of the four measure 200 to 225 here. So those were four of the six toughest holes at Bay Hill for birdie rate at just under 11%. So a little bit of strokes gain par three, 200 to 225.
3: Kelly, you uh, started throwing things into your model and uh, what did you, what What was the, how was the sausage made this week?
2: Yeah, it, it, you know, we always talk about approach like Wes brought up, but this is always one of the tournaments where it matters the most. So it was really, uh, a lot of my statistics were, were based around approach. So strokes gained approach, greens in regulation, opportunities gained. I factored all of those in uh fairly heavily like Wes talks, talked about that proximity 200 plus i think is extremely important this week i weighted that pretty heavily the uh the par 3s as Wes mentioned and then i really weighed v- pretty dang heavily the par par fr- both strokes gain par 5s in general and then par 5s 550 to 600 i you just got you got to be able to score there this week um so those were, I would say, that's the bulk of what my modeling was. Like Wes said, I threw in a little bit of scrambling. I didn't want to overweigh that though. And then the and then the t, uh, off the tee stuff. It was just it was a little bit of strokes gained off the tee just a little bit of driving distance because Matt, as you often bring up, I always like to see if that, you know, how that might separate some people. Um, and if we're going to talk about these, you know, the the par fives being so important to score on, that's always going to help. Um, and then, you know, a little mix of good drives gained as well. It's going to be important to kind of keep it out of this rough, set yourself up for good approach shots coming in. So definitely, definitely looked at multiple off the tee stats, but not didn't weigh them nearly as heavily. Uh, Is some of the some of the other stuff that I was looking at this week, and really, guys, I went uh, I went pretty. I I I did a putting model as well, but um, I'm I'm choosing to ignore that a little bit more this week, and I'm going to go with my kind of no putter, uh, no putter model, lean on that a little bit more because these I do think when the when the greens get lightning fast, maybe maybe I'm thinking about this wrong, but wait, when I think about when these greens are so tough on everybody, it levels the playing field a little bit, so. I don't know. That's the way I went about it this week. We'll see how that works out.
3: Yeah. So I, I see, I went a little bit, I went a little bit different than both of you, which I think is pretty interesting for us. So I went super heavy off the tee. Um, I read a bunch of quotes from guys, just some of the golfers that have played here, and just said it's just the course is so much easier if you can hit it long and in the fairway. And so I, I played 25% actually off of the tee, with another 10% on driving distance and another 5% on fairways gain. So I have very, very heavy off the T this week, 20% on approach, 15% around the green, because if we believe that this wind is going to be a factor, then I think the greens might end up getting missed at a higher rate than even normal. And so well, i need rolling off. That's so I need smart, somebody yeah. who yeah, is good around the green. And so I actually weighted around the green pretty heavily this week as well. I did proximity 175 to 200 instead of the 200 plus, because if I'm weighing guys that are longer, then yeah. they should have a little bit shorter of an iron in. And so that's kind of what I wanted to look at from that standpoint. I did sand saves because there is 84 bunkers on this course. And so I don't want guys like dropping strokes because of that. So I did do sand saves and then I did strokes game par five, because that's where you're going to do your your scoring here really on this. And so that's kind of how the, the model spit out things for me this week. If you're building one at home, I've been asked multiple different times. Uh, Wes did mention it a little bit earlier. Most of us, uh, and all three of us use fantasy national. I think uh, at some point, all of us went up using the stuff of a run Good. Also, I run a model off of the data golf stuff as well, where you can mm-hmm. kind of put in your own custom stuff into data golf and come up with a model too. And so there are multiple different ways to kind of skin this cat. There are multiple different ways that you can go about all of this. Obviously, the three of us even put in different statistics this week that um, that we thought mattered. So it's pretty interesting to see how um, all of that spits out here. But before we do that, we must go around the world with
0: restaurants. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we are not going too far, just a little bit south of the border. No DP World Tour event. This week, nothing overseas, but we are going to Puerto Rico for the alternate event, the Puerto Rico Open that's usually run head-to-head with the Arnold Palmer in Orlando. So, you know, mixture of guys that have won on the tour before, seasoned veterans, kind of young upstarts that want to provide a jolt to their careers and, you know, get that tour card and cinch that in. Top of the board, by the way, I think was uh, Nate Lashley, who has two top 10s here last year and in 2019. Ben Martin, by the way, who is the second choice, withdrew from the tournament today. So that changed the market a little bit. Andrew Novak, Scott Piercy, Aksai Batia, and Cameron Percy are kind of the shorter price guys. Ryan Girard, who got a spot in this event, courtesy of finishing fourth last week at the Honda, is also in this event, maybe drawing interest. So This is a course, it's pretty wide open course, 72 or par 72, 7,500 yards, very exposed, can be susceptible to wind. It might be, if it's benign though, they can just take dead aim basically. You've got pretty large greens, 6,500 square feet. They're paspalum greens, so. Relatively slower on the stint meter, ten point five. Ryan Brame is the defending champion. Won this at eighty to one. He is, of course, in the Arnold Palmer Field this week, which these guys would like to be in next year. I hit this once a couple of years ago. I hit Brandon Grace at about twenty two to one. So, you know, this is a really wide open. It is very hard. It's it's something where you just kind of go on hunches. And one of the hunches that I went on this week was guys that played well at Pebble Beach may end up playing well here. And Pebble, of course, was just a few weeks ago. And one of those guys was Michael Kim, who I bet at 30-1, to 1, he was T11 at Pebble Beach. Fourth in this field for approach over the last 36 rounds. By the way, if you notice the piece at com, I did not do a lot of stat modeling with this. I felt... You know, these statistics can be all over the place with such kind of a wide open field without really any clear favoritism. So Michael Kim, 30 to 1. Matty Schmidt, 45 to 1. He's a German player, 13th in driving distance, 39th off the tee. Uh, was right up there in the mix. I actually had him last year, and he was the leader after three rounds before he fell to eighth at the Barbasol. So he's played well in alternate events before and got his card off the Corn Ferry Tour last year. Kevin Roy, 55-1, to 29th at the Honda last week. He was third in total driving, fifth in accuracy, second in ball striking, second on approach over the last 36 rounds in this field. Hank Lebiota, also at fifty-five to one, another guy that played well at Pebble Beach, finished fifteenth, eighth in this field on approach, last thirty-six rounds. Brett Grant, ninety to one, guy that got his uh, card off the Corn Ferry last year, second best ball striker on that tour last year, fourth in GIR, sixth in total driving. So, you know, as if you are long and you are accurate here, you can have a chance to make a lot of birdies on this course, uh, which is a uh, Tom Kite design at uh, Grand Reserve. Uh, first off the tee, actually. Over the last 36 rounds is Brett Grant for strokes gain. And then one guy played kind of similar to some guys that have won in recent years. If you look at four to the last six years here, Ryan Brain, Victor Hovland, Martin Trainer, Tony Finau. These are all guys that can hit it pretty long off the tee. And Brandon Matthews, number three overall in driving distance on the PGA Tour this year. He won in Colombia and finished second in Panama on the Corn Ferry Tour in February 2022. So he's kind of proven that he can win in tropical climates. So that is my six for Puerto Rico.
3: I love it. And listen, if you have not been following, you guys, you need to. Wes has been red hot with all of these international bets, these around-the-world bets, and so be sure and follow his him. Again, you can get all of the write-up over at VEASAN.com. Guys, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, what did our bottle spit out? What has made our outright cards? What are we looking into maybe adding as we get there? Do we have any head-to-heads matchups? Do we have any three balls? Do we have any placement market bets? That is coming up right after this.
0: Here are three reasons Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. We use food-grade ingredients. We have a wide selection of varieties, and they all come in two strengths. Find Zinn at a store near you.
3: Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. And we're back here on VEASAN Longshot. Matt, Wes, and Kelly. Guys, we are going to get to our betting cards here, what our models spit out. But again, just a quick reminder, everything uh, about this podcast is absolutely free. So please go ahead, do a little bit of support for us here and just go ahead and hit that subscribe button and then also give us a little review down there. That would be amazing as well so kelly i'll start with you and we talked about a little bit earlier what you plugged into the model what exactly did that model spit out
2: yeah a bunch of the same names you know like every week i i, I will i will go through the uh let's see the r- top 10 is uh, the Rums, the rory's the Cantlays, not lays the more sure. the, the shoffley the what Finau's. about the non-obvious i'm gonna say that's where i was gonna go how about the guys yeah. who who stick out and uh I'll tell you there's one guy who stuck out, Matt, and who you know I love, and that's my man Gary Woodland. And I've been betting FOMO bets on this guy for a long time. Uh now. Well, not a long time because I took I definitely took a break at the right time. But I'm back in on the Woodland this week. Uh, he's popping in the models. In, in my last 24-round model, he is second, second by John Rom mm-hmm. in this model. So, um, look, this is a guy that uh Let's see over his over his experience at this uh, tournament. I mean, he's T five last year. Not a ton uh, of experience at this tournament, though. But played well last year, ninth at the Genesis. So in very recent form, he's playing pretty pretty well. You go back a little bit further, I don't know about that. Uh, but he was a name that definitely stuck out. And then a the guy we talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, Matt Wyndham Clark, was up there uh, spiking again. So uh, those were, I would say those two names and then Shane Lowry, Shane Lowry up there again, the only thing to keep in mind with, with him is a lot of stuff I'm looking at his PGA tour uh, stuff. Uh, but you know, we just saw him do well at the Honda 14th at the Genesis. Uh, so pulling the, pulling the lot from those two as well. So I would say those are the three names that maybe uh, surprised me the most, I guess that were in the top 10 of pre- pretty, much not, I guess they weren't all, all of the models that I ran, but pretty consistently those names we're spiking and I ended up did making some bets around
3: it. Wes, what about you? What number I mean we again, we'll, we'll assume all of the big names were pretty much scattered throughout the top 10, top 12 of the model, but were there any kind of outliers that you found that were popping up that you found interesting?
1: Yeah. uh, And obviously we have the same in terms of the top of the board Uh, uh, on a few of my categories. Patrick Rogers actually appeared, which really surprised me because such an erratic player. And, you know, I bet on him a lot as long as a long shot over the years. And he just never quite get gets there. But he he popped on a few of these categories. Thomas Dietrich was another one that I saw and then kind of in that mid range or maybe that second third tier on the odds board. I got a lot of Matt Fitzpatrick this week, which, which shouldn't surprise really anybody. Obviously a lot of Victor Hovland, a lot of Jason day. And I think a lot of that is because Jason day has three straight top 10 finishes. And that is one, and I'll spoil it a little bit. He did not make my card this week, and I was so tempted to bet him. But just that number has been cut a little bit, you know. So maybe maybe I'll wait for the players, you know, if he doesn't burn me this week and goes ahead and gets a win. But those were guys that also appeared on on, uh, a lot of my categories this week.
3: Yeah, I mean, same for me, guys. I mean, I guess the only weird thing for me – was that in the 50 round model that I ran? The number one was Finau. It wasn't a McElroy, Scheffler, or Rom. It was Finau in the 50 round model. That being said, uh, Tony doesn't play a ton of Florida golf, and he hasn't put that on his schedule over the last several years, and so all that I, I, I'll, I'll admit, like even though he's number one in the 50 round model, he did not not make my card this week. But that did kind of stand out a little bit to me. Uh, Cameron Young was inside the top 10 in the 50 round model, which also I thought was a little interesting in all of that. Um, as we kind of moved into shorter term results, one of the names that also I thought was, was fairly interesting in a guy that, you know, as we, we said, are kind of like, you know, look, we'll, we'll play the hot hand if we have to sometimes, but uh, in the 24 round model, Keith Mitchell was actually fifth Ooh. overall in my 24 round model for Keith Mitchell, which I thought was, was fairly interesting. Of course, he's been playing some, some great golf here of late Uh, over in the weighted model that I did. uh, Shane Lowry tended to pop pretty much in every single version that I ran, no matter how, uh, no matter what the distance was, but guys, the one that just continues to kind of come along here. And because I'm able to put in a whole bunch of different stuff over there, Man, Ricky Fowler continues Mm -hmm. to be inside the top 12, 15-ish. And then if you go and you put in windy AF on difficult courses over on Fantasy National and you run it for the last 36 rounds, for the stats that I put in, Ricky Fowler is the number one golfer in the model when it comes out. And according to windy AF conditions and difficult scoring conditions on courses ahead of all of the big guns that we've talked about. Now, of course, some of those guys don't have as many Uh, Rounds logged with those conditions as some of the other ones, but just very interesting to me that that Ricky Fowler continues to pop here. And, you know, I think we are kind of seeing Wes a a little bit of form with him. And I think that new swing certainly seems to be paying off for him, at least so far.
1: Well, being back with Butch, I think, is a really good thing for Ricky Fowler because, you know, Butch, I think. Butch really knows Ricky's game is best. And that's when Ricky was winning, when he was back with Butch Harmon. He made all these changes, went to John Tillery, and I I think kind of messed him all up, to be honest with you. But now he's coming back. He's got three finishes of top 20 or better. So uh, uh, could be a potential spoiler alert on at least one of our guards this week.
3: I like it. I like it. So let's go ahead. Let's get into it, Wes. What did your what did your what is made your outright plays this week?
1: Okay, I'm going to have to just go ahead and get it out of the way, even though I hate the number. I don't know how much better I'm going to get live. I was looking for any type of off the grid or off market Mm -hmm. number. I did put Rory on the card this Mm -hmm. week at 10 to 1. He's won here before. Never finished worse than 13th in his last six appearances. Obviously motivated since Rom took over to the number one spot. Second on approach, second on birdie or better, second strokes gained par five, third for bogey avoidance over the last 36 rounds. So I could see Rory going very well here. I know 13th was actually kind of of a struggle for him last year because maybe he wasn't used to the conditions. I think he will be this time around. Uh, uh, Will Zalatoris 21 to 1. I think he put the questions regarding the health and the fitness to bed, finishing fourth at Riviera two weeks ago. He plays very well, I think, really on tough tests. If you look, uh, obviously, at the two majors last year where he was right there for runner-up at the PGA at Southern Hills and then also at the Country Club at Brookline for the U.S. Open, and this will be a tough test. I think he could go well again. Tenth on debut here two years ago. Uh, You know, a little angle that he played on the Arnold Palmer Scholarship at Wake Forest, where, of course, Arnold Palmer played. So, undoubtedly, he's going to be motivated to uh, win the red card again as part of winning the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Victor Hovland, 31-1. to Lukewarm start to 2023. Three top 20s and four starts, but not that far removed from winning form. 1, the Hero World Challenge down in the Bahamas back in December. Still trying to get his first win on American soil here, at least the lower 48 states, I should say. He really, if you watch this event last year, probably, probably, Probably should have been your winner when you look at it, even though it bears out that Scheffler number one on approach. Victor Hovland had a four-shot lead on the back nine on Saturday and then kind of fell apart at the end. I think the weather kind of brought him closer to the field. He was right in the mix to win this thing. I was on him here last year, so I'm going back for seconds. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, 36-1. to bit slow to start this year but this is one of his best courses if you really look at a guy that's a a horse for a course and and I think that that matters a little bit more this week even with the deeper field now even with the deeper field I did not do a lot of the trend stuff but I tend to rely on guys with really good form and Matt Fitzpatrick Ninth last year, 10th the year before, ninth in 2020, second to Molinari back in 2019. And I think he's going to come in a good frame of mind. I like to kind of go with these psychological angles from time to time. Did just watch Full Swing, which of course chronicled his US Open triumph, where people basically exposed to the world what an analytic stat nerd Fitzpatrick is, being that he's chronicled every shot he's ever hit since age of 15. So I think he's going to like coming back here. And if short game gets tested, he's always one of the guys I want on my card. So fits at 36 to one. And Matt mentioned this guy earlier. He's on my card. Cashmere Keith, Keith Mitchell, mm-hmm. who was fifth at Riviera two weeks ago, fourth at Pebble Beach earlier this month, fifth and sixth here respectively at Bay Hill in 2020 and 2019 and leads the tour in total driving. So I think Keith Mitchell is a guy that's going to be able to, you know, Know when he has to have a forced layup. He's going to be able to keep it in the fairway, and he hits it plenty long off the tee. So Keith Mitchell, fifty-two to one, and then uh, the aforementioned Ricky Fowler, seventy-seven to one. Been a while since he's made my card, and doesn't really have like a great course form history here. Even though he's third in twenty thirteen, but. Like I said, I think he's in a positive frame of mind. Being back with Butch has really been good for his game. And then one that Kelly mentioned, and I found actually here in Las Vegas, 110 to one at Circus Sports, and that is one Gary Woodland. Who yeah, is baby. yeah, he was in the mix here to win it <laughs> last year. And, and I think he had the lead at one point late on the back nine because Horschel was up there and Woodland was up there. Obviously, Scheffler won. Victor Hovland was still up there. He finished fifth year last year, was ninth at the Genesis two weeks ago, third on approach in that field, was number one in greens and regulation, second in the proximity from the rough, while also being top 10 off the tee. And he also putted these greens while last year. Didn't really putt great at Riviera. He might have finished a little bit higher than ninth, which is what he ended up. But he was sixth in the field in putting last year so. Gary Woodland, one hundred and ten to one. This is a major champion with some pedigree here. I thought that that was a big number, and I think guys that have played here, I do think, are going to have an advantage. Even though you know, ju- yeah, could Justin Thomas win? He can win every single week, and same with you know a lot of these other guys, the the Xander Shofflays and all these guys, Patrick Cantlay that don't really play a lot of Florida golf, even though JT does, That the, the latter two, the SoCal guys do not. So I skirted those guys a little bit this week. Uh, from the matchups, mm-hmm. uh, played three, went 0-2-1 last week, 13-7-1 on the air. I played Rory minus 115 over Scheffler. Justin Rose, even money over the recently winning mm-hmm. Chris Kirk as of last week. And Tommy Fleetwood, even money over Seamus Powers.
3: Kelly, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, jump you here because there's wait, a wait, lot of wait. similarities with me and Wes's card here. I'm also in right, Victor before, Hovland.
2: Wait, before you go, Matt, I want, yeah. to play, I want to play a game. Can I bet? Let's do a, a $20 bet right now if I can bet someone on your card that has not been mentioned yet. $20 outright. You you in? Yeah, sure. All right. $20 online. You bet Sam Burns this week. I did not, but I probably... Oh, did.
1: man! I, actually, I, I looked actually, I Actually, was looking at Bermuda Burns this week. L- listen,
3: listen, <laughs> listen. The the number and the reason I haven't yet is just because he is not popular at all this week. And like, unlike most books, circa's numbers drift. Like yeah. like on unpopular golfers. And I think I'm probably going to get a much better number on on Sam Burns. Like, you know, tomorrow night. You know, basically okay. like, like Wednesday night or so whatever. You at least thought about. It. You've thought <laughs> yeah. about it
2: hard. Okay. Well, it's
3: right. it's one of those, it's one of those things where, look, if I, when I took, when I took the driving accuracy stuff out of my model and all of that, whatever, then like he was, he was way up there. Cause he's, yeah. he, you know, he's, he's really good on Bermuda. He's really good on most of the things that we talked about here. It's just like, you know, his driving has really put him in some bad positions, you know? And, and so that just knocks him down big time in the model and specifically the models that I ran that do have so much accuracy in it. So, Again, probably someone that will make the card. But I'm on Vic Hovland again this week. I mean, listen, it, it, a lot of the stuff that Wes said, it's just, you know, one probably should have won here last week. Two, been playing pretty good so far this That's year true. as it is anyway. Just a couple of little blow-up holes here and there. Hopefully, he can kind of right the ship. And uh, I'm not worried too much about how his struggles around the green when we're going to get kind of some fluffy stuff from him to be able to really kind of get up under and, and just kind of pop up on the deal. And he's kind of a sneaky good putter, too. So uh, Vic Hoblin on the card. Also, Matt Fitzpatrick also on the card for me too this week. This is so we talked about this about a month ago uh, when we started the pod guys, but like this is the type of course, and this is the type of tournament that I saved Matt Fitzpatrick for Mm -hmm. the grind it out. It's only going to play at you know, whatever, six, seven under maybe, you know, 10 might be the max that this thing could, could go to. He's the methodical go in like chart every single way that he can make it better the next day and all of that. And like, I think that this is really and truly the type of tournament, the type of course, and all of that for him. So he also made my card. So two of the same guys that, that Wes has, uh, I have Tommy Fleetwood as well. And Tommy Fleetwood mm-hmm. was way high in, in a, a lot of the different models that I ran. The data golf model actually was all the way up at number two for me um, in, in multiple different things. And, and listen, Fleetwood's a guy we know. I mean, listen, we talk about win equity all the time on there, but, but if you're getting him at 66 to one, like 60 ish and something to one, like I can deal with a guy whose win equity isn't quite as high whenever we're talking about like numbers that long. So these conditions get rough and get gross. And you know, that's the type of stuff that he's thrived in overseas. Wes knows as well as anyone as he covers that better than people do that. You know, the wins pick up and the courses get really tough and, and Tommy Fleetwood is is really good on that type of stuff. So I have Tommy Fleetwood in uh, in my outright card and, and a lot of the same guys Wes has in his outrights. I just have in, in various fashions. I have a top five on Rory McIlroy. I have a top 10 on Keith Mitchell. I have top 20s on Gary Woodland and Ricky Fowler. So there's just a lot of similarities here, just different ways that we bet them. Uh, I do also have a top 20 on Terrell Hatton. Tyrrell Hatton was really, really high in just about every single version of stuff that I had. I know that the win equity, it could be there for him this week as a guy that has had a bunch of success here, obviously. And it's just for me in a field this tough with as hot as the guys at the top are, I just feel a little bit more comfortable with a top 20 for him as opposed to an outright and I have a top 40 on Christian Buzaden as well. Uh, heard. Yeah, I I heard a couple of different places that um and, and then as I as I dug in a little bit more, so used to be a member here uh at yeah. this course and so has tons and tons and tons of, of rounds under his belt. And like that's not to say, I mean, we hear all the time, like, oh, the guy plays the course all the time and then he goes and gets cut. I mean, that's not to say, but like, you know, look, th- what I will say in this is this is a course in, you know, Weston Kelly, you mentioned as well, like, look, there's just a lot of the guys at the top haven't played this course a ton. And, and like, there's not a lot of course history here with those guys. And so I think there will be at least a little bit of, of edge here for people who have played. We see a little bit of, of stickiness when it comes to course history here as well. So mm-hmm. I'll be all over that. I mean, listen, the Rory top five, I, if he wins, he wins. And I miss out on a little bit. I'll just play him top five here. But, you know, if you want to talk about a horse for a course, this is him, right? Six top 15 finishes, you know, at this tournament, so uh, Rory McIlroy does make the, the the top five card for me. But as the as we go, Kelly, that's all that's in my account right now, only the three outrights. But that's not to say I won't do a couple of little sprinkles uh, here and there before we get closer, as was, as the weather really does start to shape up for us on Wednesday evening.
2: Yeah, I hear you. Um, yeah, well, make it three for three on Victor Hovland. Uh, I'm in on him as well. Uh, Can we call actually, it a pod play? He, it's a pod play. Pod play. Pod play. I, there it is, Vic Hovland. Pod play. There we go. He is. Uh, he's. He's by far. I, I. I don't. Yeah. I mean, he's my favorite outright this week, and uh, and probably my favorite player, uh, golfer to kind of base some plays around this week. I, I, you guys laid it all out fantastically. I think the more I dug, the more I dug into his his recent form, I, I guess I didn't expect he had done as, you know, has kind of consistently done as well as he has here, uh, recently. So, uh, that surprised me a little bit. Um, but man, I think he's got everything that fits here. The only concern I will bring up is he is a little bit on that early side of the tee times. If we think the wind's going to be a factor, but yes, he's on um, the bad
3: side. He is for, yeah, sure. yeah,
2: he is on the bad side, but no, let's make it three for three. I do love Vic this week. I couldn't pass up what I was seeing, uh, on him. One guy that, that none of us have mentioned besides his, you know, kind of lack of play here that I'm, I'm kind of gambling on this week, but it's the, I'm basing this around of of we think of if we think approach and the approach stats are so important here this week. I'm going to go back to Xander Shoffley in the mid 20s, and I know this is not a guy who who has a ton of experience here. Uh, You know the tournament he did play. Uh, A few years ago, he did finish, you know, 20, T24. So it's not like it was a terrible outing, Uh, but you know, he's high up there in my models, which I think we would expect it as uh, from a guy who has been putting together such consistent finishes here recently. But I, I mean, I hear you, Wes, you laid it out. He's not a guy that's got a ton of experience here. I understand it. I'm kind of rolling the dice there on a mid twenties. The way I looked at this and Matt, a, a guy we've talked about a lot when he hits a number point that I struggled with too. Uh, was Justin Thomas? When I see him, I see a thirty to one on JT, and that was tough to pass up. And I was getting ready to play it, but that's kind of when I pivoted to Xander, where I'm like, "Look, I feel a lot better playing a twenty five to one on Xander right now, who's got much better recent form, and and somehow even just course form, uh, you know, fits, fits here better and has done we're yeah. uh, done done better here recently." So I went with Xander twenty five to one. He was my shortest shot. Hovland again, then thirty one to one. Um, and then I went long. I went back to Shane Lowry uh, again this week. Um, you know, longer numbers. He has had terrible, terrible experience at this tournament. I'm just hoping that his recent form and his game, that you know, the 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 stats that we feel matter, I think he should be great here. And I don't know why he's been so terrible, but I'm going to Lowry at a long bomb number, 80 to one uh, outright play on him. And then as you mentioned, Wes, Gary Woodland, 110 on him for the outrights. I'll just run quickly through the rest of my card. Top 20, uh, pretty big top 20 play on Hovland. uh, Top 40s on Woodland and Wyndham Clark. And then for tournament matchups, uh, Matt, we played the same one two weeks ago. Shane Lowry 110 over Seamus Power. I'm back in on that uh gary woodland this one's this is like the ultimate kelly matchup gary woodland plus 110 over keegan bradley it, it pains oh, me the to Keeg. do it James. it oh. pains me to do it but oh, i did it keegan i
3: know he's gonna he's win gonna, the damn thing now
2: he's gonna win the damn thing <laughs> um, and then two Wyndham clark matchups uh, plus 110 over brian Harmon and plus 102 over taylor montgomery all right guys i want to talk about some names here
3: that we didn't that we didn't mention and just kind of talk through because there are going to be some people who are wondering uh, Will Zalatoris, I'm sure, popped in all y'all's models. Uh, none of us on him from an outright perspective. He played bet- him, right? Wes, you played him, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I ended up playing him.
3: Oh, you do have him. Okay, so you what, what number did you get, Wes?
1: Uh, 21. I didn't get an yeah. early number, unfortunately. I, I think know. he was as high as 30 in some off markets.
3: Yeah, I. so I guess the, Zalatoris is very weird to me in all of this because... It's like I feel like that number to me is a is not indicative of what his actual win equity is. Like like he's a he's like the perennial contender, but like closing the deal seems to be like that is such an elite number at twenty one to one. I mean Kelly, I guess I look at this and it's like it's the same as like Cantlay, Morikawa, yes. Homa, like all these guys that to me are just like proven club like proven closers proven multi-time winners like i don't know like the, i i know he opened like in the 32 or 33 to 1 to like if someone got that number i guess i could get down i just don't know it's it's tough for me on a Zalator like Zalatoris at, at that from a win equity standpoint you brought up justin thomas his his to me his form is just not I think the number is, is indicative of where he's at, like in yeah. the pecking order right now. Yep. Like I, you know, we used to say a couple of years ago, Oh, JT drifts to, anytime he d- drifts into the twenties, you just play him. But like, I mean, is he playing better than Max Homa or Morikawa nope. or Sh- nope. Xander or Roy? Like He's not, you know, and so it's, it's like the number reflects it. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, so the other guy for me that I thought was interesting fellas, and this is a name that has been just, you know, Uh, uh, look, he's playing great and he's a proven, you know, proven track record. But Jason day is in the same range as like some of these other super elite players. And like, look, I get it. It's yeah. It's like, I get it. Like he's playing great, but like Wes, what do we think the actual putting four days together to win a tournament for Jason day over this type of field? Like, I don't think thirty to one. Like I need fifty to one. Like I, I thirty to yeah. one seems crazy to me. Like in a field like this for Jason Day.
1: Yeah, because if you look, and obviously people are going to point to the fact that he did win this thing in twenty sixteen, mm-hmm. but he was a lot. He was a world class player. Yes. Yeah. I <clears throat> think at that point he had a couple withdrawals here due to injury, and that's one of the risks with Jason Day. He is made of glass. The poor guy. I really like him, but he always has various injuries. But I was looking over the last ten years. Other than his win, his best finish was a 17th in 2015. Mm -hmm. And we look at, you know, the ninth and the 5th and the 7th that he has coming in over his last three starts. This is a guy I wanted to play, but I absolutely couldn't. At 25 or 28 to 1, I would need in the 40s. And I wonder if maybe, you know, You get that next week because I was thinking, well, maybe the players championship might be because he's played very well on Pete Dye designs. Of course, TPC Sawgrass is the most notable Pete Dye design, certainly in the United States. But, you know, that might be where I would want to target him. I'm like, okay, in the players where obviously all the guys at the top are going to get priced accordingly even though this field strength isn't that much down, can I get in the 40s or maybe close to a 50 in the players next week? And that might be when I would come in.
3: Yeah, man, I wanted to play Dave. But those numbers are just – I think there's a lot of recency bias going on with these Jason Day numbers right now. Yeah. Sung J M is another guy I would admit – look –
1: I, yeah,
3: you know, it's just like thirty five to one on Sung He faded over the weekend here. We we talk about this and it's been a running joke in the golf community for the last three years that he plays every single week. Well, he's doing that again. And like it looked like he got tired over the weekend. Like, it's just it's like I don't I, I know he's young and I know whatever, but it's just like I I would need it in the 40s again if I was before I could look at Sung
2: yeah uh, yeah I'm with you I, he's a guy I mean, look, he's up there for me. I think the other thing that we're that's turning into uh into a thing with him is cool. you're playing all these tournaments, but you're not winning right yeah. and, uh, so I think that's an issue um the one guy the one guy I wanted to bring up with you guys is it is someone I don't think I've bet a single time yet, and I know he's become very popular, although we haven't heard his name mentioned maybe over the past couple weeks uh. As much, but he kind of spiked in my models. I didn't end up doing th- anything with him, and I think I'm going to be—he'll be the guy I regret the most if he somehow wins. This is Tom Kim. Uh, it, he's a guy that I really was spiking. I was surprised by it. Um, I don't know if how he came across to you guys at all, but obviously much longer odds on him than what we, you know than what we have seen at, cer- at certain points this year uh 45 to one that range, 45, 50 to 1 that range. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on him, but I kind of found I kind of thought he was interesting. I still didn't do anything with
3: him. Yeah. Wes, I don't know about you. Like I, I just I put so much emphasis on on driving in my model. Uh-huh. Like he he number. just yeah. he just plummeted. Yeah. Like, like he's not even anywhere even close like on mine just because I think this course according to the numbers that I plugged in that this course was just a little bit too much for him.
1: Yeah, I wanted to see maybe a little bit more experience because I think that this is kind of a classical design. This isn't, you know, something like Sedgefield where you can just go on a birdie barrage, which we know Tom Kim can pretty much do anywhere. But I thought, you know, maybe needs a go around on this course because I kind of liked him a little bit at Phoenix and he was a big disappointment for me. Mm -hmm. I thought he was going to really take to that place and he did not. So, you know, maybe he's cooling off and he'll get hot somewhere later in the summer, but uh, I'm going to wait. Tom Kim's like a big wait and see guy for me where maybe Mm -hmm. he never drifts too far out of the consciousness, but I just need to see a little bit more consistency.
3: Guys, the last guy I want to talk about here, and this is a guy that was tough for me and it was the last guy off my card and maybe he'd ends up making my card, but like, Cam young is a guy that is kind of fits a lot of the boxes that I have checked this week. Right. And it's like, he's not missing cuts. He's just not contending. Right. I mean, I know, I know he was second at at, at the Saudi, but you know, that was uh, a limited field over there or anything, but like, you know, the stuff that we've seen from him, it's like, you know, He's T53, T23, T13, T26, 64th, T20. Like he's not missing cuts, but he's not actually contending, West. But it's like, you know, I, I like driving distance. I like ball striking. I like all the stuff this week. Like, I, I, like all this stuff should be pointing to Cam Young. And the model tells me that I should be looking at him as well. And for whatever reason, I'm a little hesitant on him.
1: Yeah, I feel like maybe he's cooled off a little bit from that hot form. What did he have? Five runners up last year. So, you know, I I think, you know, just cooling off. I don't think he's that far removed from getting back there again. One of the things that did concern me, I was actually, I actually played him in that Saudi event, uh, you know, hit answer, fortunately, and we had a one-two there. But uh, I was a little bit worried. I was like, okay, Cam Young playing in this event is he going to be joining the other tour, you know? And that's what kind of, and I'm like, I really hope not, you know, I really hope that he stays here. I don't think he's that far from really achieving some kind of greatness, you know, and, and we could talk about Mm -hmm. this at another time more in depth, but you know, most of the guys that have gone over to that tour, I do not miss. Now I miss the guys that leave at their peak, like Cameron Smith you know, that league mm-hmm. is the champion golfer of the year. And Cameron Young would certainly apply if he were able to do that. So I hope he continues to grind it out. By the way, he's another Wake Forest guy like Zalatoris, So maybe a little special added meaning to him to win the Kings event this weekend.
3: The last guy I want to bring up here is a guy that is, it was more of kind of like a top 40-ish, maybe even a top 20, if you get like a, a peak play. But, you know, so guys, Luke List is just this incredible anomaly right now, right? So yeah. like, at Riviera, he gained 10.7 strokes T to green, 10.7 <laughs> strokes tee to green. It's the 10th time in 11 starts that he's gained on tee to green, but he has lost putting 17 straight starts. <laughs> Like I don't even know that's possible. Like he's lost like seventeen straight events. He's lost putting. It's like if the guy can just make any putts at all, he's gonna finish in a like he's a he's gonna be, gonna top ten some of these events or whatever. But it's just like I I, I want to play the thought that like sometime this has to end. But can you can you honestly just be the worst putter on on? T- I guess someone has to be the worst putter on tour, right? I mean someone <laughs> I, I mean someone's got to be the worst.
1: That's like Joel Damon in full swing. Somebody has to be the 70th Frank golfer and it just happens to be me.
3: <laughs> right. It's like, I guess, I guess someone has to be the worst putter on tour. And it's like, I guess it's Luke list. I mean, it's just, it's wild. The guy is so good at other stuff and just cannot make putts.
2: Yeah. So Matt, he was a guy that he did spike for me a bit. I considered a top 40 bet on, but uh, didn't end up doing anything with what I do have his name down for is, is in my first round leader plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does tee off early in that early range, eight oh six AM tee off time. So I think he fits if we have any weather concerns on Thursday. And I know it's not as much on Thursday, but mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I, I, I he he's a guy that man. My last twelve round model, he was 12th in, and then right. in like mid twenties and everything else I ran. So I hear you, man. He's a guy I struggled with too, but uh, ended up leaving alone. It's crazy. It's
3: crazy. But guys, we will try to keep you updated on any in-tournament bets that we make. Just follow us over on the Twitter machine, as Kelly did mention, uh, Matt Brown M2, Kelly Bidlin, and Wes Reynolds 1. So be sure and follow us over on the Twitter for all of that. I mean, again, this weather situation, we will monitor up until Wednesday evening to see if anything later, you know, the, the latest comes out. And if there's anything that we can pull from that, is there any player that maybe now is a little more appealing or less appealing, actually, from what we get um, right before tee off over there on the East coast on Thursday morning, guys, again, third reminder, it'll be the last time I do it three times in a show, but uh, we're, we're getting some great listenership. So we do appreciate all you subscribers out there. So please do that and uh, rate and review us. That would be also really, really sweet. If you would do that for us, do appreciate that for Wes, for Kelly. I'm Matt. Good luck on all your Arnold Palmer bets.